Welcome back to SEOconspiracy.com. <rire> Bonjour, monsieur Bill Slasky. Oh. I have the legend himself. I'm so honored to have you on board because uh, I've been reading your stuff since, uh, well, forever. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And I know you have uh, you have uh, you have many pet peeves as far as uh, SEO myth, urban legends. <laughs> I I just want people to think critically, think for themselves, and 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 not get misled because there's so much misinformation on the web. It's it's a great source to find answers to questions, but sometimes the answers you find aren't very helpful especially in our field of study, which is search engine. I like to call myself a search engine hacker, and I think you are too. We, we have a job of SEO consultant, but really we are search engine. I'm not a black hat SEO as far as making money with, with tricks and stuff, but I like to, and I think you do too, you like to solve the puzzle. But uh, why do I say legend? Because you are definitely one of those few who are part of the history of this industry uh, it's it's uh, not a small uh, achievement what you did to become uh, yes like i said you know part of the history of, of search forever <laughs> you, you you put your your mark inside uh, inside this industry forever and yes thank you for coming in this brand new podcast. I'm not new to the industry, uh, but I'm French. Never spoke about SEO in, in English before. Uh, and we're going to go down uh, first. Let's for the very few who don't know who you are, we're going we're gonna to dissect a little bit of uh, your personality and why you are doing that and, uh, and where do you come from. And then, of course, we're going to go into your favorite uh, myth, And we'll see where it takes us. We have no time constraint. It's the long format. On Monday, uh, 7 a.m. is the short format. A few minutes on one topic. And with Bill, it's freestyle. Uh, don't have any notes. I don't need any because uh, I've been following uh, Bill. And off, uh, off, uh, before, before we were preparing this, this podcast talking about flowers. That's how much we're confident that we... <laughs> <laughs> because yeah bill uh let's start with that why um you you told me that it, because your parents were gardening a lot but same with me but because they got me to do so much work in the garden i didn't want to have a garden but you went the other way <laughs> i moved to california five years ago and i grew up on the east coast of the united states mm. plants and the flowers here are different They're not what I grew up with. Uh, so there are eucalyptus trees all over the place because in the 1800s, somebody got the bright idea that if they grew eucalyptus, which grow fast, uh, they could uh, have wood for railroad ties. Mm -hmm. So they grew eucalyptus trees and then they tried to build some railroad ties from them and they found out that they weren't very good at railroad ties because if you put the If, if you built the ties out of them, stuck them in the ground on rails, they would move around too much. Mm, and and the 
railroad uh, lines wouldn't stay in place, <laughs> which wasn't safe for a train. So we've got all these eucalyptus trees all over Southern California, and none of them are in uh, train tracks. And uh, what I loved is the little story you told me um, and how I rebounded on this, where you say, okay, my mom told me that this flower is good next to this flower because the bug, the, the, this flower is going to keep that bug away and that bug eats that flower. Right. So some marigolds tend to keep some bugs away from some of your vegetables. But that's also SEO. That's the way we solve the puzzle. We go for it and we try to link something together. And nature is like the, the Google algorithm, the black box. You got to try to figure out with what you see. You can't see everything. You see a little part and you try to solve the puzzle. And uh, you that's, that's the SEO spirit that um, hopefully some of you watching uh, take a big lesson on how, how to become a great SEO, not just average. I, like, I may have great. to come back and I'm going to shut a window. Go ahead. Let's go back to the beginning. Before SEO by the sea, Bef how did you get into search? I was working as a technical and legal administrator at a courthouse. Okay. And I was, I was working on... Uh, I was supervising a bunch of court clerks who went up to courtrooms and, and did sentencings or handled bail. Uh, they issued they issued warrants, things like that. I, I had 22 people I was supervising. And I had a friend who hated his job. He wanted to quit. And he didn't know what else to do. I was reading a book at the time about how to incorporate people in Delaware uh, as a registered agent. And mm -hmm. I suggested he do that, build a website and start offering his services. The technical requirements for being a registered agent is you maintain a mail mailing address so that people can reach you in case they're going to provide service or process okay. on one of your, uh, the companies you're an agent for, which isn't too hard. Yeah. So he said, okay, but I, I don't know HTML. I said, I don't either, but I have this book called uh, Learn HTML in Two Weeks. I can put one together. <laughs> and around two weeks later, I had a website for him. Same story for me. And that's, that's how I started. <laughs> and that was, uh, <laughs> what year was that? That was 1996. Yeah, that was, uh, I came in in 2003. Uh, but you, so you, you, yeah, you, you know, the era before Google, <laughs> you know, uh, right. yeah, Alta Vista so, and all so, those. Yeah. So my friend's sister worked for Alta Vista, or she worked for Digital Equipment Corp. Okay. So if, if you, uh, she sent us an email one day saying, our company built this website. And you may want to check it out. It, and give us a link to altavista.digital.com. Yeah. And we looked at it and said, this is pretty neat. We want to be in this. <laughs> Figured out how to get in there. It wasn't too hard. Yeah. And then Google came along not too much later. So we did yeah. the same thing with them. And that it was when I sort of started doing SEO. 
Do you want to uh, let's uh, okay before we go into the the cargo of cult that you wanted to bring up, uh, talk to me about the history of SEO by the sea. How did that come about? SEO by the sea. I, I went to a, a search conference in New York City's uh, one of the search engine strategies conferences, mm -hmm. which costs a lot of money to attend. If you were paying for it, I was a speaker, so I didn't have to pay. Uh, cost a lot of money to stay at a nearby hotel and to travel. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, why not have a conference that's free? The people attend, and as attendees, they choose a topic and they speak, sort of like a bar camp these days. Got it. You, you attend, you show up, you mm -hmm. talk, everybody listens, they talk, you listen, and you all have a good time, learn a lot, and go home. Mm hmm so I, I said, let's do that. And I was working in Havard Grace, Maryland at the time, which is a bit north of Baltimore. It's on the ocean. There are a bunch of uh, ships of different types docked there. It's right in the uh, uh, Chesapeake Bay. Okay. And it's, it's, it's a very busy weekend. Town. Not too much happening during the week, but a lot of people go there to sort of uh, get recreational, enjoy the days, enjoy Got the it. water. So yeah. that's that's why the by the sea comes from. So so I was I was looking at the window, watching sailboats yeah. going up and down on Chesapeake Bay, and the idea of the name SEO by the Sea came to mind. So I, I uh, built the website, you know, one of these WordPress two-hour websites. Uh, added places to stay in the area, things to see, things to do, uh, when when the conference is going to happen, and spent a few weeks adding content to it about the conference that I was mm -hmm. going to have for free. Had the conference, and not as many people showed up as I wanted, but still we had a good time. We took a skipjack and type of boat out in the uh, bay, and we all talked and had a good time, learned a lot. Uh, so I had a website with nothing to do. So I said, I'm gonna write to this. I'm gonna blog on a regular basis. So I started writing about patents on the website. And I kept it up. Mm. Wait, hold on, hold on. I kept it up. That's when I say the other day, someone was asking me, what's the number one quality required for SEO? And I would say, never give up. It's not, I kept it up. You never it's give up. It's okay. being persistent. It's waking up in the morning the next day saying, okay, I'm going to write about something today. Let me find out what it is. Thousands of posts. Like, you know what? Like, <coughs> oh, oh, you, you, how many thousands? Because I, I don't, don't know the exact, but I, I Definitely can imagine it's in the thousands. There's at least 1,400. Okay, so you see, <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I was not too far. But yeah. uh, imagine, I mean, 1,400, that's, that's insane. That's, I mean, that's never, that's what a great SEO is. Never giving up. And if you can even come close to catching one glimpse of the spirit of what Bill is made of, you can achieve great things because not giving up for so many years after 1400 
articles just not asking anything in return ever giving without expecting anything in return nothing uh, and that's also what makes the um, I'm, I'm also a giver so I, <laughs> that's we 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 either always lose because we uh, take care of other people right but also you know that the biggest surprises and we make the greatest winners because we don't expect anything back and what comes back sometimes is beyond what you could have ever imagined well albert einstein said when somebody asked him how he does what he does in terms of uncovering new information and discoveries and things like that he said um not especially gifted. I'm just passionately curious. Mm. And it's the same type of curiosity that drives me to dig through patents and find something I want to write about and try to break them down into something that can be explained, something people can understand. Yeah. And I thought we'll come, we'll come to that later in, in the, the fact that people sometimes want to understand the only thing that they want to understand right the, the cognitive <laughs> bias of confirmation uh, and you can repeat it over and over it's just a pattern it's just a pattern and they <laughs> extrapolate on something else but that's for a little bit later in the discussion let's mm -hmm. keep on uh, so where can we uh, what's the best place to find you on the internet uh, i know you are very active on twitter is it the best place if i want to Talk to Bill. That's where I should go. Or is there a Twitter choice? Mm. Absolutely. I blog at SEO by the Sea. I also blog at the Go Fish Digital website. Oh, and comments, comments on your blog also. It's one of the the few yeah. blogs with active comments <laughs> in the entire web, actually. <laughs> I still have comments. I still have a blog role. I sometimes get emails asking from people asking me how much they have to pay to be in my blog role. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, these are people who uh, I know, who I talk to. Uh, there was a time when you had blog roles just because you listed other people who did the same type of thing you were doing. Exactly. Yeah. It was just a natural. And then this whole like, oh, you can't swap link with people. It's dangerous. SEOs have always been, but it's been natural, okay, uh, because I like Bill, I'm going to link to Bill, and one day, because uh, Bill got to know me, maybe he's going to link to me, but it's not, uh, uh, yeah, a bunch of I, nonsense, I, this this thing of... Uh, I, I had a client who was a lawyer, who, mm -hmm. and I blogged for him, I wrote in his blog every day, we had a big blog roll a with a bunch of other attorneys who were lawyers, who were, who were bloggers. Mm -hmm. And they would write every day, too. So sometimes we'd write about stuff they were writing about, give our opinion on it, and actually have conversations with them blog post by blog post. Yeah. It was, it was fun. That's, yeah. I've, I've, we, we sort of had an, an ecosystem of lawyers talking to each other. That's amazing. I did that as a one-time thing with one topic, and we were answering by, but, but doing it ongoing, I could see uh, it being very valuable. Wow, that's very cool. And um, as far as your work goes, what do you, um, I'm not gonna ask you what you do, you do SEO, but what's your, uh, what's your favorite type of 
client or work or situation to uh, to work on? So one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm working with some clients on SEO strategies. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of interesting because bring back, uh, recycle some of the practices that we used to use 10, 15, 20 years ago. Like I had one client uh, many years ago who uh, was a flower maker and he make, made uh, gluten-free flour at rice. And he didn't know how to build links to his, his website. And I said, okay, so you've got, you've started this website, you started this flower business because you've got celiac disease. Mm-hmm. Your body can't handle uh, wheat. And, and there are celiac organizations across the country. People who have the same problem, same disease that you have, their body doesn't react or allergic to uh, wheat. Okay. Contact them, write them mm-hmm. letters, tell them about your flower, tell them about your website. Tell them that you started the website uh, because you've got the same problem they do. And you're, you're trying to give them affordable flowers. Your wife uh, uses this flower to make recipes that call for an equal amount of uh, actual wheat, uh, flour made out of wheat. Uh, he had a client who, who uh, was a pizzeria who was selling gluten-free uh, crust. And it was one of the first in the area. They sold incredible amounts of pizzas that were gluten-free. Uh, it was it was all all his link building was done by writing letters to people. So I'm I'm telling a new client recently about link building by writing letters. And they'd never heard anybody do that, but uh, it it really applied to them yeah. because it it, it oh. they they provided services that uh, certain people really could use. I even go beyond what I say is uh, I like to be a links by shaking hands and drinking beers, M- meaning yeah. that that what what does it translate to today is I open up Skype. I see who is connected and like, can you make me a link? Because um, yeah, you have, I know you have a website about it, but that was done by shaking hands, by, by meeting people, by real connections. So through uh, letters or events or networking, whatever. But what you are saying is um, people forget the basics of the basics. And maybe, yes, the mailbox, that's a, a pretty high level growth hacking technique, right? The mailbox right. is empty. You, you get a lot of attention if you write a good letter today because <laughs> what is interesting so in the mailbox? I, I explained the tactic to them, but I explained the strategy in that they're building relationships and mm. building relationships is one way to promote your website. And here's some tactics you can use to uh, promote that, to, to uh, take advantage of it. But do you, um, so that's strictly SEO. Do you also enjoy going beyond, like more like search in general, uh, even vocal or paid, just search? Uh, or even do you go outside of search, like digital marketing in general, social media and so on, or uh, more like SEO centric? 
So the team I, I work with at GoFish Digital do creative content campaigns. And we do interesting stuff, but we sometimes get together on Slack and brainstorm. And so we had one guy who, who had been on Reddit, Reddit and found a, a guy who had a, a YouTube uh, channel with a, a hydraulic press. Mm -hmm. And we had a client that was a jeweler. So he, he came up with the idea of uh, getting the jeweler to uh, submit a diamond to the guy with the hydraulic press channel on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I had 500,000 mm -hmm. subscribers mm -hmm. and he was looking for new things to crush on <laughs> his hydraulic press. Cool. So uh, a client sent him a one carat diamond with a little certificate and uh, he proceeded to crush the diamond with his <laughs> drill press, with his hydraulic press. That's very cool. He, he, put the, he put the client's name uh, on the uh, description for the uh, video and the video got, I think it's up to 11 million views at this point. So part of the idea behind this campaign was to build brand awareness to let people mm -hmm. know who these people were. So, so this is one way to get their name out there. And it was very effective. That's, um, and I spoke the other day about this. The only, uh, the only problem we have is that this is for the people who are amazing at what they do, like the top 1% of the creative, right? The people who can make something exceptional. And we can debate that everybody can be awesome at what they do at a certain level, but we are faced with Google who put a threshold at this awesomeness, right? Meaning, uh, it, I don't think everybody is equal in this world uh, and there's only the top 1% who is able to achieve what you just described. So now the problem is for the 99%, what do they do? <laughs> okay, so, so that process of brainstorming, if you include your clients who are subject matter experts, who know the clients they work with, what problems they have, uh, what questions they have, and you actually talk to them and think about that and come up with creative ways to reach out to those people, you can make a difference. So we had another client who was, who was a limousine company, mm -hmm. and they had driven many people to many places. They were they're in the Washington, D.C. area. They've driven many people to many places where, where uh, uh they're driving couples and the guy would propose during that trip. It would, they would drive to a certain location. They would get out for a while. Uh, he would get down on one knee, pull out a ring, ask her and marry him. Oh, very and cool. Said, yes or no. Uh, and we, we uh, created a map of places in D.C. where people would often ask uh, uh, somebody to marry uh -huh. them. That's cool. Wow. Okay, that's a that's a whole new facet of, of uh, what you do that I guess people are not aware of that this whole be uh, creative uh, basically content marketing with the SEO layer inside it. I guess that's what it it could be, right? Correct. Instead of just yeah. being pure SEO basic. Uh, before we move on to uh, 
your favorite myth, your favorite urban legends. <laughs> what else could we add uh, to know more about you? Okay, so gardening is one of uh, people who know Bill knows that flowers, uh, gardening as well is very important to you. What else? Uh, what else in your life could you share that um, is not on the obvious or what you like or dislike? <laughs> Okay, so it's sort of obvious in the name of my site, SEO by the Sea. So I'm, I moved to the West Coast. I didn't change the name of the site because I just changed seeds. I Is that, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Is that behind you a painting of, uh, of waves right behind your head? Is that yes, also? It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's the wave. It's, it's a famous Japanese landscape picture. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a version of that painting done by a local artist. He uh, used to doodle a lot when he was in high school. And he didn't know what to do for a career. And somebody, and he jokingly told somebody, I can keep on doodling. And what, what, what about the sea? Uh, I guess, yeah, because you, you live by sea, but what is there that really attracts you to, to the sea? Oh, so I, I, I grew up near the sea. We used to go hunting. We used to go fishing. We used to go crabbing, stuff mm -hmm. like that family would get together we'd enjoy that uh so i decided i wanted to live near the sea again uh and so i, I decided to move out here to california I'm, I'm about 10 minute drive away from the beach which i haven't been able to visit recently because it was closed yeah i've been walking down the uh, beach for the last year or so at least once a week and that's what brings peace to your mind. You feel good. This is this is why you're in a good place by like, by the sea. <clears throat> it's very relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, when we and I guess it comes with age. Uh, so the youngsters listening to us, <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> at one point in your life you're gonna me is when I go down the mountain with my mountain bike and I found what's called a flow. <laughs> Uh, and you are one in nature, it, it's dangerous. It, we go very fast, but uh, it could be on a boat, could be anywhere, could be... But yeah, you need to find that place where you feel good and uh, it's, uh, it's the best. It's the best feeling when you... When, when I was a teenager, it was walking down the boardwalk. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Going yeah. don't, don't to nightclubs, stuff like mm -hmm. that, at the beach. And now I'm, I'm, now I'm walking down the beach by mm -hmm. myself or with friends and... Well, you do. You do look uh, at peace. You do look uh, like you have. Uh, you no, know, you don't look uh, <laughs> annoyed or anything going wrong. You're, you're in a good place, I think, and um, uh, I'm very happy. Uh, very happy for you. But now Thank let's you. get into the things that make you mad. <laughs> so tell me about uh, right before we got on. <clears throat> you uh, you uh, DM me a, a PDF. So tell me a little bit about this. Okay, so the PDF is from uh, it's a, it's about a com it's a commencement speech from uh, 1974 at Caltech by Richard Feynman on a topic of uh, cargo cult science. Fascinating, yeah. Now, now cargo cult for people who aren't familiar. Uh, during, during World War II, uh, there were people who would crash land on islands 
in the southern seas in the South Pacific. And sometimes they'd get rescued and sometimes some of the natives from those islands would go back with them to where they came from and get to see the airports and the landing trips and the mm -hmm. control towers and, and all the wealth, all the treasure that people had. And they would bring those natives back to the islands and some of them got, their, got into their heads that if they built airstrips with control towers out of bamboo <laughs> and reproduce them perfectly, they'd get planes landing on their islands bringing them treasures. I love it. So those, those were known as cargo cults. Okay. So Richard Feynman said, okay, so we had this happening where these people were following practices and they didn't quite understand what they were doing, but they were trying to reproduce them so faithfully that they would get treasure and treasures never showed up. <laughs> and some science, some people perform what you might call pseudoscience. Sure. Where they're sort of trying to imitate some scientific practices, reproduce things out of bamboo <laughs> and, and, and try to make them work to the point where planes land and they get treasure. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> some 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 uh, some SEO so, tools are in the, <laughs> the so target here. <laughs> people, people perform correlation studies mm -hmm. where they say, okay, we've studied millions and millions of pages. We've noticed that uh, URLs from pages that rank on the first page of Google tend to be shorter. Therefore, make shorter pages or pages with shorter URLs because there's a correlation there. What they sort of miss is that hypothesis is built out of, out of bamboo. It doesn't, exactly. have, it doesn't have the causation part. It doesn't say this is why yeah. pages that rank first on Google uh, tend to have shorter URLs which is the important part of science, the why. The why. And when I started, uh, when I decided to open this YouTube channel called SEO Conspiracy, some people say yeah. that, but are you ever going to run out of topics? I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, impossible. I mean, <laughs> it's endless. I can go forever and, and we can, because then sometimes something is not true, it becomes true, it's not true again. <laughs> like the realm of follow, if Google was going behind uh, and then it was not going behind and then it's going behind again, it's endless, it's endless, endless. We're not going to cover all of them today. We're going to cover your your favorite ones then we're gonna go into uh more uh, into the mindset of what you need to to be what how, how do you become a great seo what makes you go above beyond uh, the normal but this whole yeah now i get the cargo called science and to go back into correlation doesn't mean um, causality uh, the example by my uh, friend uh, professor sylvain perronet who is uh, PhD in algorithm, <laughs> he says all the Nobel prizes eat chocolate. It's not be the, that uh, don't if you eat chocolate, it doesn't mean that you're going to become a Nobel Prize. Exact same thing. And some of those myths are just based out of thin air. The magic of SEO 
I'm going to let you begin with your miss because if I start, I mean, <laughs> uh, so what's your, what's your biggest pet peeve? The biggest one. People making assumptions, believing that they're somehow true based on some gut feeling, not so, science. So you're talking, be, be, before the specific, you're talking about reverse engineering Google in general. I'm talking about some people try to reverse engineer Google without bothering to do some of the work. It's like I spend lots of times looking at patents and the patents tell you about the problems they, they try to solve with the patents, the algorithms that are used as problem solvers, and the steps that they might take to follow to uh, reach those goals. Well, somebody writes about something like rank brain. And they say, okay, rank brain, is that something you can optimize a page for? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of as if they don't quite understand what rank brain is. That it's a query rewriting process. And it's only one layer. What, what you're saying is also that we can only analyze where we see, where we can get a grasp on. And we're missing... And it, I mean, we see the beginning, we see Google Bolt discovers a URL, we see this URL back into an interface, like a, a search engine result page. The Everything in between is a mystery box, right? <laughs> the good news is we don't need to reverse engineer everything to get results. But... In the process, uh, some Illuminati are definitely sometimes coming up with something like domain authority is one of my favorite one, or this LSI keyword thing. Yeah, let's let's go into LSI because I think that's that was one of your big battles, right? Uh, so latent semantic well, indexing, latent semantic maybe, analysis. Maybe in my own mind, it was one of the biggest battles. But I've I've come across people talking about how. LSI is important for Google in many ways, and, and you can uh, use LSI keywords to build pages to rank better. And you ask them, okay, what is an LSI keyword? And they'll come up with a dozen different things that they say are LSI keywords, uh, like query refinements uh, in a set of search results, the list of People also search for type topics at the bottom of those results. Those are not LSI keywords. There are actual specific processes Google comes up with to generate that list of terms. And I've looked those up. Yeah, and, and it's actually different than Google Suggest. It's a specific algorithm, actually. Yeah. It's not even... Uh, so but, but the magic of SEO, uh, and uh, we talked about it right before going on live, is... In 2003, Google bought Applied Semantics, right. a company that is doing LSI, LSA, right? But that's where the magic of SEO works is that people did read the end, <laughs> meaning that was for advertising. LSA is at the core of Google AdSense, not search. So latent semantic indexing was invented in... Uh, the late 1980s by a bunch of people at Bell Labs. They came out with a paper about it. They came out with a patent on it. The patent has a description about how it works 
the description talks about a database with eight books worth of material. And in, in, in the patent, they tell you every time you add new data, new information that you want included in that index, you need to run the whole LSI process over again. It's impossible so, to, it's so costly. <laughs> the web changes so quickly yeah. that if you're using something like LSI, you would have to constantly run LSI index over and over and over again. But also, it's an indexing process. It's not an optimization process. Exactly. It, it could be useful to detect uh, content that are close to each other, like some, somebody is rewriting a piece of content. But first of all, it's too heavy from an algorithm, algorithmic point of view. And second, it's too powerful. If they okay. would put it in search, they would, I mean, there would be nothing left <laughs> because... I get some people upset with me when I say, okay, another reason why Google doesn't use, use LSI is because it's old. And people say, yeah, yeah. But, but people use old technology all the time. <laughs> I mean, calculus has been around for a long time. Mm. People still use it. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the Salton cosinus is old and, and it's still very interesting. It doesn't mean that LSI, LSA is not interesting in itself. It's very interesting. What's wrong is saying that it's into Google search without any proof and putting up tools that are supposedly going to help you uh, perform in SEO thanks to LSI. Well, That's when, I it say, goes. when I say LSI is old, it's not because it's old, it's because it's useless. It's because Google's come up with new ways, new approaches, and they use them. Uh, one they refer to as word embeddings. Mm. Okay, so, so they, they developed this word embedding process, which uses more robust technology, something that, that can be updated quicker. Uh, that looks at looks at the relationships between words on uh, a big corpus like mm -hmm. all the Wikipedia and all the book corpus from Google's book scanning project to understand the relationship the, the semantic relationship between words. So when something like RankBrain uses word embeddings, it's to rewrite queries and identify words that might be useful. In, to be included in that query that have been left out. And there's also a patent I read on your blog about phrases, not the not the not the pattern uh, from for authors, but the fact that in the context some phrases uh, relate to other phrases. Uh, so it's even beyond words now. Right, the semantic topic modeling from phrase-based yeah, yeah. indexing. Yeah. So uh, so okay. A page and Okay, so a page about the White House has the phrase President of the United States mm. and Rose Garden and Oval Office on it, mm. which are, are semantic, semantically the, the types of things that would be on a page about that topic. Mm -hmm. The whole game is, in fact, yes. What we see is old school SEO, right? Back in yeah. the days. We didn't care about content title tag and links, right? And you could see that the, the, the block of content had some value, but it was not as powerful as just title tag and backlinks. And throughout the years, we see this block of content taking 
more and more uh, important because Google doesn't understand like a human brain. It's, it's still very, and especially with the machine learning, I think it's even dumber than before. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Actually, no, we can talk about it now. What, uh, what's your point of view on, on this switch uh, to, to machine learning or deep learning? I don't want to call it AI. It's too, too fancy. <laughs> Neural networks were original to AI when it was first invented, when it first came out in 1956, when they started coming up with the kind of fundamental core of AI, they included neural networks. Thing is, they weren't too good. They weren't too effective. They were like one level deep. And it's taken them a while to come up with computers that have been fast enough to build neural networks with enough layers for them to be as effective as they are today. And we're I seeing think it's Google, coming up. We're seeing Google come out with they they came out with a word representation vectors patent recently that said we can take websites, classify them based upon industries and levels of expertise within those industries. So we can have medical sites that are written by doctors, medical sites that are written by uh, medical students, and medical sites that are written by lay people. So lay people, for instance, medical sites are uh, things that people with diabetes experience, what they eat, what, they, uh, what treatments they follow, uh, uh, how, how they have to, how they exercise, things like that. Uh, those are the types of, and, and Google also took typical queries that people perform from query logs and analyze those and, and tried to equate them with uh, different, they they call them knowledge domains, but they're but, the topics, the, the topics that queries might fit into. They classified the queries, got it. Uh, and when somebody, and, and they've classified the uh, websites using neural networks, when somebody searches for a very technical medical issue, like how do you treat diabetes? You know, what medication do you use? That would be answered by one of these medical websites that's written by doctors. They're using neural networks to identify mm. the expertise of the authors in the industry. Uh, and so they're limiting the, the uh, uh, amount of websites that a query might have to look through to find answers. So they're narrowing down uh, mm -hmm. how much work they have to do as a search engine using the neural networks using machine learning it's it's going fast they they're going to figure it out they're going to build a, a solution that's robust enough but people who are very involved in search pretty much all agree that right now it's dumbing down the information because there's no nuance there's no finesse it's it's they have to make a choice so in your example it's fine but then if i ask you what wine should I drink with uh, with uh, with the entrecote uh, pepper entrecote uh, tonight? <laughs> That's I, a lot I, more difficult. I would probably prefer to ask that on Twitter rather than Google. Yeah, but Google wants to answer that question too. <laughs> and and what's gonna what's happening right now is some website just because they arrange the data in a way that the search engine can understand it. Uh, that's the answer that's going to be displayed. 
So, I don't know. I'm just a guy. Uh, in my opinion, they're going to figure it out. They're going to they're gonna build something that's going more robust with, uh, with a little bit of finesse. I don't know how they're going to be doing it. Uh, but I see it working and you see it too. Like what's fascinating and we see this machine learning. We see how they first, they put out a little bit of everything. Uh, and and vin is uh, wine in French. I live in Andorra, which is kind of a Bermuda triangle for Google. We mm. don't have any, so I can break Google. I can see, I can get it to the matrix. matrix. So I, I, I typed wine in French, vin, and it was giving me all kind of information because V-I-N means a lot of different things than just wine. Yeah. And then depending on where you are, uh, if most French people click on the links that refer to Vin de Wine, then Google is going to go that way. Or if yeah. it's more about, there's something about the, the cars, then Google is going to go that way. So what's fascinating is we see the process in the making, at least the people who are really studying the, the and years, it takes years and, and you know your keywords and you, you are able to, uh, but where do you, just your opinion, right? No facts, no data. In your opinion, how far is it going to go? Are we going to go into really a uh, matrix, right? <laughs> with the chip in the brain, with Google all around us? Or uh, is it going to be able to answer questions before we ask them? Where There are multiple, multiple paths or tracks that Google can follow to answer questions. The uh, multiple... Uh, Types of responses for vine or vin or wine mm. that you talked about. It's the same type of thing in the US with uh, a search for Lincoln. Mm. Lincoln yeah, might return mm. results for uh, a former president of the United States. There's a Lincoln, Nebraska, which is kind of popular. There's a Lincoln car. And there's a company, when, uh, when, electrical when company search, too. Yeah. When people search for Lincoln, they choose which type of Lincoln mm -hmm. they want to see. And then it's likely that they continue to see that type of result every time they search for Lincoln because the search history mm -hmm. has been tracked. And these are all entity type things. Abraham Lincoln is an entity. Lincoln, Nebraska is an entity. A Lincoln car is an entity. And this is kind of the... Uh, path Google's taken where they're uh, understanding and knowledge graph. So it's different from the machine learning approach. Mm -hmm. It's a different path that Google's taking. They're trying multiple paths to provide search results. Got it. They're trying to, they went to the path of trying to, everything needs, everything is, something is in relation to something else for a reason. Why? Right. So, and let's remember, that Google doesn't think about words. It's all vectors. It's all distance, right? It's all relationship. It's not words don't exist for Google. It's not. It's not how it thinks, really. Well, I mean, that's, it, that's where they. That's where they take yeah. the vector path. If they're taking mm. knowledge path, everything's a real world object which has certain exactly. values and attributes and classifications, and they're they're responding to questions with answers mm. about those uh, attributes, those those the values of them. Mm -hmm. So old school SEO, we had this word, Lincoln, and we would put it everywhere we could in the source code, right? 200 right. times Lincoln without 
worrying about the context without uh, worrying just yeah, we, we put in the anchor text uh, yeah you you repeat the keyword as many times as possible or the query and yeah. and that's it and then there's this shift this uh, semantic seo which i don't think is a trend it's right. uh, the way to do it where you actually need you are good if you define something if you're able to i like to to illustrate it with the mystery word game okay yeah. i have here i have lincoln the car and i have to make you guess lincoln the car but i can't say lincoln the car so i have to come up with a whole bunch of uh whatever i can to i can even draw right i can even whatever and and we have this word in uh, you have this word in the english language that we don't have in in french it's topical whatever regards the topic i like it much better than semantic because it's exactly what i mean topical is it's, it's a lot more than lexical field it's a lot more than it's whatever is is around the topic and it's not about keywords it's about uh, maybe clusters ideas uh, project uh, concepts uh, what, what's your take on that <clears throat> this shift from from just uh, keywords to topics or whatever you want to call them is it just a trend or is it really the way to go okay so if you use google trends you can you can type a word into google trends and sometimes google will show you that there are a couple of different choices uh, for what you're searching for say you you choose a baseball team the mm -hmm. chicago cubs you type that in and they'll tell you you can look at chicago cubs as a search term or you can look at Chicago Cubs as a baseball team. If you choose baseball team, what you're choosing is what trends calls a topic. Mm -hmm. So that's how it's tied to what you're just saying. But what they mean is this is an entity. Of and course. They're, they're, they're in the, if you go to the Chicago Cubs baseball team page for trends about the team, uh, and look at the URL, uh, they're using a machine ID in the URL encoded in HTML. So the okay. slashes don't appear there, but they're using Freebase machine IDs. So they're uh, tying it into the knowledge graph. Mm. So they've, they've associated entities with topics and trends. Th that was a big move because also, let's remind everybody that I mean, single left Google yeah. uh, and uh, the people running Google right now, uh, Jeff Dean and I forgot the other one, are just AI guy. They, they... So, so the Google we knew back in the days uh, is, um, I, don't, I don't say it's gone. There's still some, some uh, yeah, but explain to us the shift of, of going into things from you know like what 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 does that mean as a whole what uh, and for us from an seo perspective what's the implication of uh, of this entire shift uh, for search in general and and google in particular okay so so what do you call a car what's your word for automobile yeah what you automobile <laughs> what you, automobile same same okay so uh 
Search no longer becomes about the word. It's about the thing itself. So if you call something one, one word in French that I call, use in English as a different word, we're still searching for the same thing. We just don't aren't looking for the appearance of that word on a page. Mm -hmm. We want a page about that object. And I think it it goes beyond the page. My 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 what I call uh, the topical mesh is is it's going on the page, but it's also the environment around the page within the site and also around the page. Uh, it's all the same system. Who is in relation to what and why on the page, around the page, within the site, and around the URL. Uh, re friendly reminder the it's url by url that google sees the web not uh, yeah. the domain authority thing <laughs> <laughs> which is another myth uh, oh yeah what's your what's your take on the domain authority uh, myth it's you know traditionally uh going all the way back to the roots of google and backrub and uh the idea of page rank named after larry page it wasn't a page ranking, but it was. It was a page by page ranking of the web. And they, they uh, use a scientific citation approach to uh, see how much value each page had by how much it was referred to by other pages. So the more a page was referred to by other pages and the more important those uh, referrals were from other pages, the higher something would rank. Uh, so it was a matter of uh, each individual page standing up for each other. Wait, was, but there, uh, I don't think, uh, I think somebody else invented the page rank, right? They, he just took it. But I think there was, wasn't there someone before, actually? I don't remember. It's something well, fishy like that. I don't remember exactly the, the was, details. There was Garfield who did scientific citation work. Mm. Yeah. in research on citations before that, page right that was, that was used by page mm -mm. for page rank too uh and the i'm i'm sure i mean you got signals uh, assigned to a domain right I, of course you got signals assigned to a domain but in the way the the seos use this domain authority thing uh, is meaningless it's just the, like i said the, the home page is just a page it's just a big page because all the links are pointing out to the to the homepage, but trying to to and I see people trying to make decisions based on this domain authority thing, uh, especially when deciding okay subfolders or subdomain and so on and so on. No, a page is a page. I, I, I think Google confuses people sometimes when they start mm. talking about things like uh, some websites are authoritative. Hmm. the domains themselves are authoritative. If you want help, a, pay, a, a web, if you want a question answered about health in the United States, you go to the CDC website because it's an authoritative site on health. <laughs> yeah. And it goes beyond that because then we can take the, the slope to to the trust rank, which is a pattern by Yahoo. And, and then, uh, well, so. And, and if we, if we go to yeah. local search, 
Yeah. We've got a specific domain that's an authoritative domain for business. And exactly. that's the domain that Google will point to in a local search. When mm-hmm. you search for a business at a specific location, they'll say, okay, that's, that's this domain. So you're right. It's a confusion. And also it's confusing because, yes, uh, authority is indeed uh, something. And you, you talked about branding and the value of, of building your brand. And, and you, you are a brand in yourself. Your name uh, is, uh, is also an, uh, <laughs> what we could call an entity in itself. You're, you're, part, you're even beyond that. You're part of your history now. You're part of the history and uh, you can appreciate and you can see how you actually became really uh, like a known entity. And that's a good example of how someone with hard work, with persistence, with dedication can actually uh, become part of, of something much bigger than the individual himself. And that's the interesting part. Uh, so you're right by saying it's confusing and that Google might not be very clear on that. But I don't even think they really know because, especially in Mountain View, they all work on, on, on little bits. And it's only someone like you who sees the wide angle picture. Just read the book In the Plex by Stephen Levy from Wired. Okay, hold on. In the Plex. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I ask this because it humanizes Google. It tells a lot of the stories behind the founding and behind certain movements. Oh. I, I read the, the search for, by uh, John uh, Battle, uh, which so talked about all, all the other ones, but uh, they also Google. mentioned Amit Singhal, who mm-hmm. left Google. Yeah. But there are other people who've been just as deeply involved in things like semantic uh, learning at Google, like Raman Nathan Guha, the guy behind Google custom search engines mm-hmm. and trust and Google's version of trust rank, which isn't really trust rank like Yahoo's trust rank. That's another myth that there's a Google trust rank. What this is, is uh, he said, okay, people who identify websites that are about specific topics in mm. Google custom search engines mm. are building trust in those websites for those topics. So there's a photography review site that I think Amazon bought like four or five years ago that used to have incredible reviews of cameras. Okay. And people used to always link in custom search engines to that website about camera reviews. Interesting. So it became okay. a trusted website about camera reviews. Got it. And it, the trust rank at Yahoo has nothing to do with boosting rankings of pages. But this approach uh, to trust from Google, where, where people would choose websites for topics to uh, be things be, to be searched, actually can boost those websites for those topics in your opinion how much of this whole volume of patents or even research in general really goes into production 
there's such a wide range these days at Google, they're not all about search. I'd say a very small percentage of them are. Uh, they're getting about between 30 and 50 new patents granted to them every week. Wow. And I'd say maybe five or so of those are related to search. Mm -hmm. And the other 35 are related to other things like cameras or, or computers. Yeah, the cloud also, they were big on the cloud. Yeah. Uh, so now what's your advice on, and actually how do you uh, look at the patterns and trying to use them or maybe let me rephrase sorry yeah. isn't it maybe a better advice to start by knowing who is behind the pattern who are the people right <laughs> trying to understand because those algorithms are just tools means to achieve something but if you understand the, the and and uh, and think about it when you say okay read in the plex because because it's human beings who are trying to build something uh, and just by reverse engineering or trying to understand what they, they want is also a piece of the puzzle. So when new patents come out every week, I'll, I'll go through them and I'll try to find ones that I would think I'm most interested in based upon the titles first. And then if the title is interesting enough, I'll read through the patent and see what it's about. Uh, once I find ones that I think are interesting, I'll research the inventors to see if what else they've written, what other patents they've worked on, what papers they may have worked on. Because sometimes you'll run across a patent that's based upon some paper that was mm. written before. Mm. And usually if you read the paper, you get a better idea of what the patent's about and how it works. True. I I agree with that. Yeah, the paper is sometimes more interesting than the pattern itself. <laughs> so I came across one in 2004 from an a inventor called Anna Lynn Patterson. Mm -hmm. I started researching her and I found out she probably built the largest search engine to be built in the 21st century. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was called Recall. And it was a demo search engine for the internet archive okay and it would search all the different versions of all the websites on the internet archive okay wow i didn't know about that one number of websites right wow Web that's pages. big <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and and the demo for recall disappeared at the internet archive one day and CN cnet reported that Google had purchased a demo from the Internet Archive about two weeks later. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then about two weeks after that, Anna Patterson left the Internet Archive and started working at Google. Okay. Like vice president of search. You see, it's uh, people sometimes don't look at the right places because uh, I didn't prepare. Okay. I didn't. I ask you on the spot and, and everybody I talk to who is what I call search engine hacker, we yeah. all do that. We investigate the people. We so, try so to you, figure you, out the people. You mentioned earlier in our discussion, uh, phrase-based indexing. Yeah. Alan Patterson was the one behind phrase-based indexing. And also the, the, the company MetaWeb, uh, which is also 
I mean, using Freebase is uh, well, the one of the the guy leading search right now was the was the founder of MetaWeb, I think. Uh, the guy who not... who was uh, the head of search at Google for a while before he left and joined Apple. Also, yeah. John, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. It's it's a long Italian name. He's but, he's now mm, the head of artificial mm, intelligence at Apple. If you can figure out the people, it's a it's a big piece of the puzzle. Big piece. Then next piece of the puzzle, you say sometimes you find more interesting the paper, right? The research paper than the pattern itself because the pattern is kind of in a, a specific format. And now, how do you extrapolate? How do you uh, draw a conclusion on? whatever you could find interesting into the, the evolution of search in general or, or Google in particular. Use the tools available to you. Uh, do more searches in the patent office mm -hmm. to find related patents. Use Google Scholar to find papers that might be related to it. Uh, look on LinkedIn to see what type of career the person behind the patent built. I've, I've been enjoying patents uh, from specific people for a while. There's one guy named Tristam Upstill who wrote okay. about uh, search quality issues at Google. And I looked him up in LinkedIn, and he was the head of Google's core ranking algorithm, okay. the core ranking group for a while. So he was mm -hmm. in charge of what actually they were doing and what they're investigating. So looking at his patents, said these were some really important things that he wrote about because he was in charge. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that one. <laughs> uh, and also, I'm, and I plead guilty sometimes. So it's almost a troll. For, for example, to oversimplify, sometimes I, I, I tell people, wrong brain is the boss at Google, which is an oversimplification, almost a troll, because mm -hmm. like you said, rank brain by itself is just meaningless <laughs> without all the rest. But I think it's a symbol, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a noun that it resonates with, because I don't want to call it AI and machine learning, deep learning, so whatever. Please explain to us how the, this, all these layers um, uh, are kind of building this whole machine. Like it's it's it's, it's very complex. Uh, do we do they even have a complete view of, of, of what they're building? I don't even. I'm not even. I don't even know. <laughs> so there, there was a researcher, a computer scientist named James Firth, who came out with the statement that you shall know a word by the company it keeps. Mm. Okay. Uh, so he he looked at. Uh, how words tend to co-occur with each other in different places. Now, sometimes that's a little bit misleading. It's like uh, the word amazing and Spider-Man tend to show up frequently together in mm. uh, the press, in the news, in uh, books and so on. They have no actual semantic relevance to each other. Of course, uh, yeah. But because but, they are linked together in so many documents, then they become yeah. relevant. So, 
So, so the word embedding approach that Google came up with is based upon this co-occurrence of words in lots of places, lots of documents, mm -hmm. very huge corpuses. So this is like uh, LSI for the 21st century. And you also mention often that basic algorithms like TFIDF, or even the Salton Cosinus uh, and so on. Um, it's not that they are outdated. It, it, they're still, I mean, they're still interesting. Or Ngram, I like also Ngram. It's still interesting to look at, but they are way past that, right? <laughs> Google may use TFIDF and mm. things like query refinements, but it's just one step, one small mm. part. There are lots of other things that they're doing. And how do you, uh, what would be the approach, what, or what advice would you give to what I call the algorithm chasers, right? I think it's, well, I'll let you, what, what's your point of view on those uh, chasing, the, chasing the algorithm kind of strategy? I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Once Upon an Algorithm, which <laughs> <laughs> says that, okay, an algorithm is a method of solving problems. Mm. And if you approach algorithms that way, it's a lot easier when, when you talk about algorithm chasers and re replace the word algorithm with the word problem solving, they're problem solving chasers. They're trying to find answers. Yeah, but they, they're trying to find quick tricks or, or, or uh, well, they're, they're, if they're not careful they're engaging in cargo cult science exactly yeah that's what i mean you have the so, so they need to ask mm. questions okay so you do a huge correlation study with millions of mm. results and you see that there's a correlation between one thing happening and something else like ranking mm. your next step isn't to publish a paper saying look there's a correlation yay your next step should be, what causes that correlation? Mm. Is there a causation? Is there a relationship? It's like, did you know that uh, when in convenience stores, when uh, the sales of beer beers increase, mm. the sales of diapers also increase? <laughs> There's a correlation. True. <laughs> and they investigated and found there's causation. Yeah. When young fathers go to convenience stores to buy diapers as they've been instructed, they often reward themselves by buying beers. Amazing. <laughs> so there's connection. Amazing. Love it. Love so it. One, one, one predicts the other, but it's also connected to it. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, that's a, that's so, very, that's so, a so good example. Find the causation behind mm. the correlation. If you do that, you're actually doing science. You're not doing cardinal science. I like I like the the two thousand word limit type of myth because when you go beyond the correlation, be, yeah, it does make sense that if you want to be relevant around the topic, you're gonna need a bunch of words, right? And maybe well, around it, a few it thousand. Depends on the topic. Yeah, if. if it depends, I mean, of course, it depends on the topic uh, and, and it depends it, on the it queries. It depends on the intent behind the search, too. Uh, 
and I had an example with a credit simulator, a loan simulator, right? Yeah. In French, and the top results don't have, they don't have, they have like 200 words, right? But it's a good <laughs> loan simulator. When I, when I do a search at lunchtime for pizza, I don't want the history of pizza. I don't want detailed <laughs> recipes of pizza. I want a place I can drive to and pick up pizza or call and have them deliver. And like you said, cargo call. They, they're, yeah, they're doing it backwards. They're looking for something. And it's also this cognitive bias of confirmation. You want to, you want to look at something and, and all the clues are pointing to that thing. So... Now, what does it take? You say, okay, try to find what causes the beyond, beyond the, the obvious. But also, don't you think that sometimes, like in, you, 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 do you take a photography? You, you spoke about uh, photos, but are you a yeah. photographer? So, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 I take lots of pictures. Hmm. Um, um, uh, I was told there are two ways to become a better photographer. Look at lots of photographs or take lots of photographs. <laughs> but you also know that you should see what others don't see. A good photographer is going to see relationship and shape between the shapes, the light. The, a good photographer is going to see what other, no, regular people don't see. And I think it's the same for SEOs. If you stare long enough at the search engine result page, all the clues are there. Google is trying to tell you something. To become a good photographer, you have to be able to look at a scene and know if you're there at the right time. Yeah. If you should come back in two or three hours or two or three weeks. Yeah. If, yeah. if the thing that you're looking at would be much more interesting in two or three weeks, yeah. and it might. That's uh, the famous decisive moment is not when you release the shutter, is being at the right place at the right time. <laughs> That's the decisive moment, not 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 the <laughs> snapping the picture is just one five hundredth of a second. <laughs> the being when there. I, at I, the, yeah. When I want to take a photograph of the moon, mm. I can point my cameras at, at the moon and take a snapshot, or I can find something else to be in that picture with the moon, yeah. like a steeple sure. of a church. Sure, like a foreground and symbol, yeah, 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 and and it makes it a much more interesting picture when I do that. And same for same for SEO and Google in particular. Like I said, the clues are there; it's in front of you. It's just you got to train yourself to see, to to understand. I call it the smell of the syrup, or, or the footprint, or the perfume. Each search engine result page has a, a specific perfume, or maybe not everyone, but and if you are able to to understand what does Google want instead of what does Google have, Google has something why, right now and it wants something why, else. This is why SEO should talk more. So I refer to that as a search space. Mm. But what's because your point on on? people not being able to see what's in front of them exactly like a photographer and then making the difference between what does Google has. Let's take a basic example, right? Women's yeah. shoes. You got the first 100 results, uh, a 
product page or catalog of uh, women shoes and your client comes up today and say i want my uh my catalog my product page to come up on that to be first on that uh that keyword well uh google already has is <laughs> is throwing up product pages of women's shoes is it what it wants i don't know but yeah, let me it, let me let me modify that example slightly okay so it's based on on the first place i did seo at which was an in-house position and we found out that if we were ranked number two we had a lot more conversions mm -hmm. than we were ranked number one if we were behind a government website that provided information only about the services that we provide mm -hmm. because people would read the informational site learn about it and then go back to search results and choose us and uh, get us to provide that service for them. So it was much better being ranked number two in search results than number one. I have a, so I have a understanding, example. Understanding yeah. the intent behind the websites is one way of exploring the SERP space that uh, gives you information, possibly benefits you. Knowing when to be second can really make a difference. I have exact same example where, where first was official website, government website, and my client was second. Is like, how do I become first? I mean, you don't. What we're going to do, <laughs> what we're going to do is we assume, I mean, not assume, it was, it was a fact that the government website was a very, and it was a while ago, right? So, so yeah. the information was not clear. So what we say, okay, come over here in five minutes, we're going to tell you what's up <laughs> and that's it. Uh, write, but, write your description, write yeah. your snippet so that people yeah. know that you're the place to go to. Yeah. And now the trend of, okay, women's shoes. Uh, now I'm going to write the history of women's shoes in 2000 words. No, that's not what Google wants. That's not what the user wants. So be a little more, go a little more beyond that. But of course, Google wants to achieve something. He wants to answer different intents because women's yeah. shoes is kind of broad, even if it's uh, well within this vertical uh, google can decide that it's only the the people want to buy women want to buy women's shoes uh, it could be something else but i think it's a little bit this whole like trend of okay i'm gonna make a big big piece of content about the whole topic like a wikipedia we call it the wikipedia wikipedia <laughs> approach no uh, no, be a little more than that. And it's about user intent. And all a lot of the patterns you, you showed up, how about, I mean, you know, the update page layout and so on. And page speed, yeah, it's all very important. If you match the user intent, that's when it's going to happen. So last couple of times I've shopped for women's shoes have been allergy-free shoes. Mm. And that narrows the niche down significantly. And you have That's to identify mm -hmm. uh, what it is that makes your shoes healthy for people who might be allergic to mm -hmm. many other shoes. Mm -hmm. But don't you have the feeling sometimes that we need to 
to reboot the web, meaning that that could we just start from a core, right, of trusted website and then rebuild little by little instead of trying to sort out this mess? <laughs> I think that's going on all the time. What do you mean? We don't necessarily notice the changes that are taking place in front mm. of us, but they are happening. Uh, so you mean, you mean around you, you're making a small web of your own, something like that? Change, okay, things happen. Like, uh, do you remember the Google directory? Yes, of course. Open, which was uh, the Open Directory project, yeah. Why, why did it disappear? Well, it, uh, my, my theory is that uh, it goes back to the, the topical page rank because at the base of the topical page rank is how they use the architecture of the Open Directory project. Uh, and they had enough data. They figured out, okay, they used the, the, the users were clicking here and there to figure out this is linked to this because of that. And then machine learning... Uh, but uh, that's only my theory. I don't know. What's your uh, okay. what's yours? So my, my theory is it didn't scale to the web. It didn't grow. It, it wasn't fast enough. It didn't make enough changes. It oh. was too dependent upon human judgment mm. and human decision making. And yeah. that's what I thought. Uh, I thought it was just an experiment to 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 see patterns in uh, because if you read the 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 topical page rank, right, they yeah. They clearly use the ODP as a, as a source to, to classify. Right. And it is a way to uh, do focus calls mm -hmm. on the web. And they can use mm -hmm. Wikipedia yeah. to do that now. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. I, I like also your, your view on saying, yeah, it wasn't scalable. And they didn't need it anymore one way or another. Uh, and and mm -hmm. you're right. And knowledge uh, at this point in time mm -hmm. was very dependent upon Wikipedia. It's now yeah. moving away from a dependence on Wikipedia because again, Wikipedia is human edited and it doesn't scale to the web. So we're going through changes and transformations. We may not notice them as we see them. How but, big is uh, the web? How big is the web? <laughs> There's probably at least a trillion, no, there, there are at least a few trillion pages. It's humongous, huh? that's for sure, humongous. Uh, we, we're not going to go into details about the, the reasonable surfer, random surfer. I saw your tweet today, the difference. That's, that's pretty much details. But let's go more into uh, this device. This device, because it's changing a lot of things. And I think SEOs are afraid to talk about this because we have our comfort zone about SEO aimed at Google desktop yeah. that we kind of figured out, but this, this is hard. This is, this is very hard. <laughs> I, I, I'd said most Google patents these days aren't about search. So one that came out two weeks ago was uh, Google can tell how crowded different transit systems are based upon uh, things like location history. Yeah. So they can look at how many people with phones are on a bus and see how much traffic, um, how crowded that bus might be based upon location histories of all the people on the bus. I, I, I'll go even deeper than that. Yeah. 
I read every quarterly report uh, and they don't mention Google search, the search engine. I'm waiting for the day when they'll be proud enough of what they're doing right now to tell the investors, okay, now we got our brain, brain blah, blah. But also I'm going to tell you a little story that my, um, my brother worked, uh, he's, a, he's a, one of the big like 3D uh, visual effects. Uh, uh, and for Google Labs, they, they hire those guys to think about the future. And yeah. it was about what if Google has a form, right? What if Google was all around us? And he, that's not secondhand. That's my brother who told me, Larry Page tell, told him, people don't understand that I can't relate to Google. It's, it was my back in my in college that I did that. <laughs> the search engine. Uh, so you're right by saying, I think we focus 100% on something that Alphabet <laughs> and even the founders, founders themselves don't even relate to anymore. Uh, it's, they're way past it. So it's very dangerous because if we, and again, back to this and back about back to the world back to vocal back to uh we we because also we still it still works it still makes money it still generates revenue. but i feel we we are afraid to and it's gonna happen we we're gonna be in front of okay now it's a brand new world desktop uh it's mobile only <laughs> desktop is dead and uh it's going to be more difficult and we can't if we compare to how we do seo on on desktop for google desktop version i think yeah. it's the wrong path so there are a lot of similarities between desktop and phone there are differences and and a lot of what google's doing these days are based upon the phone first Hmm. it's also maybe um like the approach of because people spend their day on this device yeah. but they don't spend the whole time on google so search seo search goes beyond just google it goes onto youtube it goes onto reddit it goes onto facebook instagram wherever uh, and that's also where you come in, in into play with your ideas very creative of solving the problem beyond, uh, like way before, because you push the content all over the place and wherever the person is searching, uh, you're there or your client is there. Uh, am yeah. I wrong? Is it the approach you take? As far as uh, trying to solve this this shift to to Google desktop centric, where we live the golden era of 100% of the free traffic was coming for Google, and we didn't. It was simple. It was one keyword, one page, and a CTR. I said and the ratio of clicks on the page. Now it's all over the place. It's all around us. It's uh, and even I heard Bing is coming back a little bit. So so. Um, Again, do we chase each algorithm, each update, each thing, or do we try to solve the problem beforehand 
like with the the very good examples that you you gave at the beginning of the conversation you know well let me add one real quick uh a client who is an apartment complex they're having trouble uh selling units in the building they they wanted to fill out the building they had a website that was four pages long mm-hmm. they didn't include a lot of information that they should have included on the page uh, if you took the elevator in the apartment building down to the basement and got out, you got out to, you would see the uh, uh, Metro service under Washington, D.C. Okay. From, from the elevator door. Uh, you would walk out into one of the world's largest commuter systems that covers uh, Washington, D.C., Southern Virginia, Northern mm-hmm. or Northern mm-hmm. Virginia, and Southern Maryland. Okay, you could travel to thirty-nine different Smithsonian museums through that mm-hmm. metro system. Amazing. You can travel, <laughs> you can travel to uh, the football stadium where the professional football team from Washington played. The baseball sta- stadium where the baseball team played. There were commuting through, around Washington D.C. is terrible in the car. It's yeah, one of the last things you want to do. I don't if know. You live, <laughs> if you live in an apartment where that metro, that subway system is right in your basement, it becomes a lot easier to get to places. Okay. They didn't have that on the website. Okay. They should have had information about the metro line and where it went to on the website to let people know how convenient it was to live there. That's genius. I love it. Yeah, uh, and so this this is the purpose of optimizing mm-hmm. for entities, optimizing for mm-hmm. world, real world mm-hmm. objects. You say, okay, yeah. what actually exists here? Is it included? Do we have information uh, uh, about it? There's a. I live right across the street from a data center, so my ping is two milliseconds, <laughs> and there's a e team sport that moves right next a couple of doors, right? So 80 yeah. professional uh, video game players. Then I see a couple of those big YouTube uh, Spanish uh, and they were looking for the for the ping, right? Two millisecond yeah. ping because when you play video <laughs> games online, a millisecond makes the difference between life of, or death. So you're right. You say sometimes you can find value, but it's because your brain is trained like that it's cultivated like that it took years and you have this approach and you can see things that others don't see so uh, so we took that four page website we started adding some of those some of that information about those entities to the website uh using blog posts that that captured information let people know more about it and we filled up that apartment building within a year wow that's very cool that's yeah. very cool. Proof is on the screen. Like I always say, it doesn't matter what Bill says, what I say, does it work or not? Yeah. Does Google, Google is going to tell you if it works or not. So, uh, and also there's not one way to, to go about it. That's uh, what makes it difficult. Maybe because I see uh, we are going to hit the two hour mark. What about this 200 ranking signal thing? <laughs> There have been people who have been 
writing lists of ranking signals, ranking factors mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they identify things that aren't very accurate and they don't, they don't do too much explaining. It's, it's like the uh, cargo cult science again, where you show the, oh, it's usually a survey, right? But you show the, the causation. Yeah. It's a survey. They ask a bunch of people, oh, what do you think is number one, number two, number three? and that's it. <laughs> when somebody justifies something as a ranking signal because Google has a patent on it, and that's all they say, they link to the patent, and they don't explain any more. They don't show any of the possible connections or, or information that... that is evidence that that patent might actually be used. You like, like I was saying, the mm. the, uh, the uh, phrase based indexing is one patent that came out in two thousand and four, mm. but since it was published, twenty other patents about phrase based indexing have been filed and granted. To expand upon it, to explain more, of course. explain mm. how it's used. It's been updated three times and each time it gets updated they rewrite the claims in it to give expand examples of how it's been changed mm -hmm. if they weren't using it they wouldn't be telling you how it's been changed and, and you're right that google confuses people because back to these 200 ranking factor seal i think they yeah. somewhere where they say oh we have about 200 but it doesn't mean it's out of the context and it's just it's just a trick it's, it's not a it's so much more complex than that and it's it's yeah i think it's google is guilty seos are guilty on this uh, to oversimplify uh, people grab onto certain types of things and say okay google's definitely using this but sometimes they're not using it quite the way you think they might be how do you like, see like, the difference? Right, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so I wrote about a, a, a patent last week on search suggestions mm -hmm. that Google offers. Uh, and it explains how they might use click information, long click information, and click selections in search results to identify the best search suggestions. Okay. That they might offer to people and their predictions about things that people might like that build their informational and situational needs. Makes they're not sense. ranking. They're not ranking pages directly upon click information or, or click selections. Yeah. And a lot of people say these are ranking signals that Google uses. Well, they're not. They're not using them for ranking those things. They're using them to rank search suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> which is <That's> funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, if you if you if you investigate how things might be used, your list of two hundred mm. ranking signals doesn't become as straightforward, mm. but it becomes mm. more informative and more useful. And it's so many layers upon layers upon layers, and it varies in time and on throughout throughout the index. Uh, so it's it's a moving thing and and to build a general statement 
out of what you see on your little vertical on your little website uh oh i cut off my uh adwords campaign and my site dropped therefore <laughs> there's a link between uh, google ads and uh, and uh, organic search right no uh, they look beyond the explanation is maybe there was you sent so much traffic throughout this pipeline and it stopped one one day to the next that maybe it's an some kind of thing or maybe it's something else i mean there's always uh, a reasonable explanation and the human brain is wired like that why when we see a bright light in the sky we think it's a ufo yeah. out of all the other possibilities we're gonna look for the most extreme <laughs> right well, if you look at the definition of ufo It is a UFO. True. Because you know what it is. True. It's, it's an identified flying object. Yeah. It's, it's but, definitely identified. It's, yeah. it's flying. But you, you think there's like a couple of aliens in there, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, so so what, it, it's amazing how, how we always trying to focus on the most... Uh, and when, when you, you tell the trick, when you say, okay, I'm back to search, when you explain it yeah. plain, okay, this is not it. This is not LSI because the algorithm and blah, blah, blah. And it's such a dis disappointment. People are like, oh, really? That's just it? There is no... Yeah. Uh, but also, don't you think it's uh, maybe SEOs build this mystery, this kind of magic sauce or by... by because a lot of... A lot of people don't do what you do, trying to simplify, trying to explain. A lot of people well, make it more difficult. I'm not necessarily simplifying because I'm looking for the actual reasons, the causations, the uh, connections, the things that you don't quite get on the mm. surface. Like anchor text is very important for how pages rank because Google takes the relevance of the words in that link and applies it to the site being linked to and a google patent that came out 10 years ago was updated like a year ago or so and, and in the uh, claim section they say we might look at a window of words around the anchor text mm -hmm. and we might see if any of those are useful and we're calling those associated text and that that we might use hypertext relevance to point to the page mm -hmm. uh, being linked to And, and use that associated text to give that page meaning. Interesting. So it's, no longer, it's no longer just the anchor text. Mm -hmm. It's what's around, so yeah. We, Makes we, sense. We've become, we've become more complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it still uh, makes sense for them to do that. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you want to find out more about applied semantics, click here. Mm -hmm. and the word here is the anchor text. But... but what they're telling you about what that link is applied semantics sure sure that's interesting because uh if if we if we look beyond like the details of the pattern it's all making sense it's all about simplicity it's all logical it's all is no every time i tell i tell a client or uh, seo when there is something that's a little bit too twisted or too Uh, usually it's not it it's not it uh, 
Of but course, the, it's the, complicated. The phrase for that is Occam's razor. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Occam's razor. When you come across a phenomenon that seems complicated, and there's a there's a complicated answer for why it does what it does, and there's a simple answer for mm -hmm. why it does what it was, look at the simple answer first. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as a word of uh, conclusion i think i think we got to do it again because we barely touched the surface i have so many more questions to ask you <laughs> but but two hours i think is a big chunk for the viewers uh the problem is we could talk for uh, hours non-stop because we love what we do and it's fascinating but let's go back to my first statement about what made you a legend living legend is the never give up and go beyond like like just continue to be curious yeah and then go back to the minute where he explained how he goes to check out the guy behind the patent the the papers and what he did and his linkedin and everything just don't trust trust no one all you know is you know nothing and you gotta go dig and figure it out uh, because uh, that's what I mean is there any other secret behind what made you uh, what you are today try to find the answer satisfy yeah. yourself yeah. Well, come up don't trust everything you read find the actual reasons behind mm. things and it's and it's a good advice, even beyond search, beyond SEO, just in general, with all the fake news and everything that's going on. Like, uh, I see how photo when you take pictures and you see some of the photos about the, the COVID and you're like, no, man, you're cheating. It's a long lens. It's flattening everything. People are not on top of each other or, and so on. So, yeah, uh, I think that that mindset will uh, make you a better SEO, but also in life will help you a lot to be able to um, figure it out your own truth, your truth, and, and don't yeah. believe the obvious and go beyond uh, what uh, what it seems. Not There's a phrase, not everything is what it seems or something like that. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, Bill, I'm going to relieve you from, uh, from this uh, podcast duty. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you. And uh, yeah, if you if you would like, I would love to have you back to talk more about some uh, some more of uh, because I feel we we've talked about many things, but I have so much more. There is so much more we need to explore. So many more myths. So many uh, uh, and uh, the that shift where Google is going, uh, what's going on now, and where it's going. I think we we barely scratch the surface of that. So we we need to you need to come back and. Uh, and talk about uh, where we are and where it's going. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. <laughs>